I'm Rajiv. And in this week's episode of Policy in Chill, we're going to be discussing Rajiv's public transport advocacy for all the time he's been in politics. How many years has that been? 15 years. He's been advocating for a better public transport for 15 years now. So I'm very curious how this journey started, why public transport, and a fun fact is the only reason I joined this office and not the any other other office was because Rajiv is a public transport advocate. Now you know this, I've told you this, mm-hmm. that's why you know you were in the consideration when I applied for the DAP right. internship program mm-hmm. and I will reflect on what the journey has been in this office the last two and a half years and how my advocacy has been and how it has shaped and formed what I have Okay. I have landed on in my public transport advocacy. But let's discuss yours. Did you always start? So Rajiv is a huge advocate for buses. If you guys follow the news, he's all about his 10,000 buses, 7,000 in Klang Valley, 3,000 in the rest of Malaysia. He's a buses guy. He's like, we don't need this expensive MRT, LRT. Buses will do. And has it always been like this? Have you always thought that, you know... We don't need expensive MRT and LRTs and buses can do them. I think we like our MRTs. I we, love our MRTs. And I think we need them. Have you have you seen how crowded the Putra LRT can be during peak hours? I I think we, we need to be able to move people throughout the Klang Valley yeah. and 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 sometimes we need big infrastructure like yeah. the MRTs to be able to move people. Uh, well, well, maybe lagging behind. Uh, if you look at Singapore, uh, Singapore is smaller than the Klang Valley. It's one third the size of the Klang Valley. It has less people, five million plus, compared to our eight million people, and it has far more MRTs and it moves people so much better than we do. So we we do need these MRTs to move people, and we should be able to build more in the years to come. Uh, but we also need buses as well. So yeah, what do you think of this? Okay, so I'm a fan of MRTs. I love the MRT. I used mm-hmm. to take it a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't anymore. I live very close to my work. It's just inefficient to take public transport now. Mm-hmm. However, when I lived further away back in Sungai Long, when I traveled from Kajang to Pataling Jaya, I used to do it. That was my mode of the transportation 85% of the time when I'm not late running out of the house. But um, but I, I love Sungai Long. That Sungai Long is not Kajang, by the way. Just a shout out to all Kajang people out there. Okay, not the point. We digress. But, um, okay, but what, what I think is, what seems to be the problem in my opinion is that the MRT lines are not planned according to how people are moving mm-hmm. and where, the, where people want to move towards. So, of course, people are moving towards the central of the Klang Valley, but where are these MRT locations? Like, mm-hmm. are the stations by the side of a main road, a big heavy road that's not walkable? It's, not, it's never in the middle of a housing area unlike the um, Klanujaya line. So I think what the Klanujaya line is what I want the, MR- the rest of the MRTs in the country to picture. It's actually moving people. People actually stop driving because the Klanujaya line is reliable and it's in the middle of the Taman, so it's walkable. The Taman Paramount LRT, um, you know, it's in the middle of the Taman area and people walk towards it and get on it and go to KL or wherever they want to go to from that LRT. It's actually switching drivers to MRT users and people are not using the MRT just for fun without without actual travel purposes. Whereas I feel the rest of the MRT in the country is, is not planned based on the movement of the people but rather the how to acquire the land and who is going to profit from the land acquisition. Okay. Yeah. So, have you always been an advocate of buses? Well, I've been an advocate of good public transport. Okay. Uh, I'm not uh, not insisting it should be one way or the other, but 
public transport needs a few things to work and complete network. What are these few things, in your opinion, makes a public transport system work? Number one, it, complete network. You must be able to go from anywhere to anywhere. And if you can't do that, it's just not an option anymore. You drive. And uh, in order to have a complete network... One second. Uh, can you see his stomach in the video? Kind of. You can see his skin? No. Okay. Can you see this skin I'm pointing at? No. Okay. Sorry. You need complete network. If we can see that, then that is... It's a problem. It's a problem, but yes. you know. Yeah. Okay. So one, two, three. Public transport needs completeness. So public transport needs complete networks. And, and in, in order to make networks complete, uh, buses come into play. And and that's why I advocate for buses because everyone's out there advocating for MRTs, LRTs, and there are enough people pushing for those. Uh, someone needs to push for the buses to make it work. And and times have changed because 15 years ago, buses was what we could look at to to uh, to help make the network complete. Today we have many more things to make the network complete. And and in some parts we could do away with buses. In fact, some parts here in PJ we we can do away with buses because we have other items that we can replace buses to make it work. For example, uh, 10 years ago, Grab came on the scene. You could never imagine life uh, like that before Grab existed. Those were the days of the taxis, the red and white taxis. There was no way to call one except to pick up the telephone and dial a number and and ask someone to come get you. And and that was expensive and unreliable. And now you have Grab, which is uh, a bit more reliable. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you may... Still very expensive. (laughs) Still expensive, um, but predictable fares. In a way, yeah. uh, you you that, that when is, you book it, you know how much you're going to pay. For yeah, it. Yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, but but beyond that, that's the, the first baby step. The, the the second far bigger step is uh, technology to enable demand response transit. And so we have Kumpo here in PJ, uh, also in Wangsa Maju, in a number of other parts of the country. Uh, you've got other companies coming up. Uh, Track Rides uh, start, just started a trial in Puchong. And this enables you to book a van through your app that comes and picks you up from one point and brings you to another point. And that could replace buses in a lot of places where the volume of people moving is, is, doesn't justify that uh, 12-meter bus. The forty-seater yeah. bus, and yeah. so and so that's a very significant part. And you've got electric bicycles and scooters that uh, were somewhat unheard of fifteen years ago, and this enables people to go two kilometers, three kilometers from their house to the nearest LRT station, where previously they had to use a bus mm. because you couldn't walk three kilometers. Uh, not in Malaysian weather, people just won't do that. Mm. Uh, it's very time-consuming. It's very far. But with electric bicycles, electric scooters, people might do that. So there are other options now uh, to complement buses. So buses uh, may not be the need all as it was uh, 15 years ago. Uh, but today it's still important, but it's part of completing the network and it's not the only thing to complete the network. The, the backbone of your network is still your MRTs and your LRTs, but you've got buses and you get uh, mini buses maybe in some places and you get your demand response vans, you get your uh, e-scooters and your e-bikes to also come into play. Should we reimagine our buses? Should all our buses have a demand re- demand response system so it doesn't have to follow around unless someone calls for it? Are we is is that too far away? Because enough auntie and uncle just go out to the bus stop and expect the bus to show up. 
I think in an area where the bus is going to be empty, yes, you want to use Team One response, and then the bus can be more efficient, and the bus can uh, get people moving from places to places faster. But there are a lot of routes which have a huge corridor of people moving. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you just look stand at the Federal Highway and observe the buses. Uh, Enough buses are full with people. Yep. People are standing. There's no place to sit in the buses. Even at not peak hours. So people, yeah. are, people are being moved in great volumes uh, on some routes. And in those routes, you don't need demand response. You need the bus to come on, on time. time. It needs to be predictable. It needs to be safe. It needs to be uh, decently comfortable. I'm not asking for luxury travel here, but you know, if the aircon is always broken and you're sweating in the bus that is jam-packed full of people, that is not going to work. It needs to be safe. Um, you know, people shouldn't be groped on the bus. Uh, people yep. shouldn't lose their phones and wallets on the bus. Yep. Uh, thankfully, this is not a big a problem in Malaysia as it is in many other countries. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Yep. I'm just saying it's not as big a problem as it is in other countries. Uh, but these are all the factors that make people come out and, and be willing to get out of their cars and into public transport. Yeah. So essentially, you know, if you were on the public transport planning committee of mm-hmm. Malaysia, you would advocate for, you know, trying to understand how people are traveling and for which which <coughs> corridors will need the MRT to transfer people in a bigger volume and which corridors will need bus routes to transport people mm. in the moderate volume and for when, you know, people are just a group of 10 people moving and then, you know, a van is sufficient. But this this committee already exists. Is someone overseeing how much, how people are traveling, one, and what do we need for this kind of travel? Yeah. And how do we be adaptable that this travel can change anytime? So we should, you know, make sure that our bus routes can adapt to if people stop if people, you know, eventually 10 years from now start working from home and the only travels is when they go out for lunch or when they go out for leisure and are stopping to commute towards KL Central, then should we reimagine our networks? Because now our networks are very, very concentrated. It's trying to b- bring all people from all directions into KLCC. It should. Yeah. Because by and large, in the Klang Valley, yeah. uh, the largest volume of travel trips are towards KL and away from KL. And, and so then public transport should cater to that it must cater to that it should also cater to every other uh connection but mm-hmm. it must cater to that uh, and then you asked me what if i was in that position now first of all i feel if i was in the position of being what transport uh, planner of the country or something i think I, yeah, I think that's closer to the minister of transport but that, yeah but you know but that's like the minister of transport so the minister of transport of land water air mm. so what if you were on the public transport planning committee if there was one i don't know if there is one i should google I think, it but i think first of all mm. um what are three things you would do if you were on this committee you're the chair of the committee first of all there shouldn't be a national committee okay <laughs> we should abolish any form of national committees and have local committees. So there should be a Klang Valley one, there should be an Ipo one, there should be a Taiping one, there should be a Johor Bahru one, uh, there shouldn't be a national one. Okay. Because every city is different, every city uh, should plan at the city level and, and that metropolis area that it serves around that core city. Uh, so the thing, so just to recap, the first thing is it should be local. All right, it should be local. Uh, small towns, big cities, but it should be, regardless, it should be local and Klang Valley should have its own authority. So the, we here in PJ, uh, we want to be part of the whole uh, Klang Valley-wide system because it should be one system for the whole Klang Valley. Yeah. So the second thing is, uh, we need to be able to identify the corridors and we have data 
uh, people largely use touch and go cards for their travel. So that's a very good starting point of data. You have uh, road usage uh, data that you should be able to extract and we should be able to put more sensors out there to be able to extract more road usage data. So we are using big data to plan the corridors. Yeah. Now, if the corridor has a lot of people traveling on it, uh, 50,000 passengers per direction per hour, you need an MRT. If it's maybe 30,000 passengers per direction per hour, an LRT will do. If it's 5,000 passengers per direction per hour, a double-decker bus. If it's 3,000 passengers per direction per hour, a single-decker bus. If it's much less than that, then maybe that's not a corridor that needs a specific bus route. Maybe a demand response when uh, would suffice in that area. So we have to look at the, the origin destination patterns of every city. And so if you want to talk about KL, Klang Valley, uh, we should be able to harvest this data uh, and, and utilize this data to understand how, uh, how people are moving. And yes, it should be dynamic. It should yeah. evolve. It should evolve every every year, every two years. Uh, routes should be updated, uh, but not too often. You can't be changing bus routes every two months. People yeah. just get confused. Like, because then it's not how reliable. do I get to work? Yeah. yeah, it needs to be reliable. So, uh, but it needs to evolve. What I mean is like an evolve. And evolve, over years, over years, over, like years, over five years, ten years, people's behavioral pattern change. Yes, yes. So yes. some things should not evolve in five years because like, you can't build an MRT line today yeah, yeah, and yeah, evolve it in five years. So yeah. the bigger things are planned for fifty years, a hundred years. But bus routes can evolve every every few years. That not not an issue. Yeah. And, and and you need to have uh, reliability and options in the system. So besides uh, buses running on time. Uh, what are the bottlenecks that that may hinder? Like you know, if there's one traffic light in that bus in that in the corridor, that's always a problem. Uh, for example, people in PJ will be familiar with the Jalan Ofman, Jalan Gasing, Jalan Templar traffic light. Uh, that one's always a problem during peak hours. So how do we handle that for buses? And and I feel that buses, uh, together with ambulances, should have priority at, at traffic lights which are problematic. Uh, I actually I, thought I you had a great that. idea, but would you like to share the idea you had? Yeah, I, yeah. Even, I even think that uh, police outriders can yeah. can accompany buses on some routes to demonstrate that you know people can move so much faster by, by buses. Uh, imagine double-decker buses carrying 60, 80 people uh, can, should have priority over cars carrying one person. I agree. I'm glad you do. Yeah. Okay. So while all, let's go back to this data and planning corridors and planning routes. Mm -hmm. All of this actually can be done because while we cannot fund every single route, while mm -hmm. we cannot fund every single MRT project, mm -hmm. technically we can have a Clang Valley master plan mm -hmm. because you know all this data is available. We just need someone to process them and make sense out of the big data that's available to us already. Mm -hmm. Do you think that we should have this plan? Do you think that priority should be placed on, you know? Yeah, there, there should be. What is be. our plan for Malaysia? How, how are people going to move if they don't own cars? There should be a plan. Yeah. There should be a plan. But um, a plan is got to come hand in hand together with a commitment mm -hmm. uh, to spend more on public transport. Because okay. that, that is a very difficult point in this juncture. We are recovering from COVID. We are trying to rebuild our economy. There's a lot of pressure on government coffers and government spending. And a lot of sectors are 
demanding, demanding more spending, needing more spending. Climate change needs more spending. Agriculture needs more spending. Tourism needs assistance for recovery. There is just so much of uh, demands on the public dollar. And and that's that's not easy for any prime minister and any finance minister to yep. deal with. And so, uh, but having said that, there needs to be more spending in public transport if you're going to have this whole network. But at the same time, if we don't have a plan, and let's say suddenly we allocated five hundred million, well, how do we know if we, where are we going to add buses or where are we going to add routes? You know, budget comes every year. How mm. the money being spent every year? Mm. We can start building on the plan now and so the plan can be achieved in the next 10 years mm. or we cannot have a plan ad here ad hoc no no we should have a plan yeah, but the yeah, plan yeah. needs to come hand in hand with the plan to ramp up the spending yep. so you, you need to have your routes but you also need to have a plan to spend the money and uh, that's where uh, spending money on buses uh, will probably be the biggest ones but spending money on pedestrian connectivity is very important and spending money on demand response because now it's uh, a lot of trial projects and pilot projects by the private sector but without serious government money being poured into it and, and I think we need to move to a point where there's serious government money being poured into it because uh, demand response vans are far more efficient than buses in areas where ridership is slow uh, yep. areas where you see less than six passengers in the bus. When you, when you see a bus go by and it's empty, that area is primed for a swap from a bus to a demand response van. But in order to make that happen, uh, there needs to be serious government money uh, coming into play and not uh, reliance on the private sector. Speaking about demand response, since you're yes. passionate about it, I had an idea. Mm-hmm. What if we... Demand response now, technique, in Malaysia, the private sector options, they need you to re- download an app on your phone and you mm-hmm. must know how to click on the app and make sure you can uh, yes. book the van. But what if we had a button in bus stops where, mm-hmm. you know, if we click on that button, mm-hmm. so every person who does not know how to use a phone or is facing a huge digital mm-hmm. gap, or you know what, maybe the phone battery ran out. Yeah can press that button to let mm-hmm. people know that there's people waiting in that bus stop. Yeah. So what if every bus stop had a button and if there's no one in that bus stop, that button will not be pressed so the bus can avoid that bus stop if yeah. going to the next route is, All right. you know. That, I think that's that's an option. I, yeah. I wouldn't want to commit to it. I think we should find out how much that will cost yeah. to install and, and keep running yeah. and to see whether but in the big picture that's worth it. But if is a real future that we're it is, it is a real future. And because it's a very real future, we should also start investigating what are technologies that yeah. can make it easier for people who mm. just simply cannot figure out how to click on their phones. Right. Because I have seen the elderly, they try, mm-hmm. they try their very best. Yep. But it's very frustrating to them and I feel really bad when they feel so frustrated. Right. And I don't want to leave them out of this demand response. Public transport is for everyone. And yeah. I think we have to be very mindful in yeah. our planning of public transport. Maybe we should make Not the app really, simpler. Maybe we should make the app simpler, but what if you can't even get it to download on your phone? Yeah. You know what I mean? When something depends on a person's Just, just a plug-in. We have a smartphone class yeah. every Wednesday at the MBPJ Hall in Section 17 PJ. Uh, if you happen to live around here and you know someone who needs that help, come on and join our smartphone class where we'll teach you how to download these apps and install them and get them running. How to get to the smartphone class. So, while there's no nearby LRT for you to walk to the <laughs> smartphone class, what you can do is you can come to Taman Jaya or Asia Jaya and take Kumpul from there. Or the big, the PJ Free bus. Yep. The P, yeah. Yep. That, that, that gets you there too. The PJ Free bus gets you to Jaya 1 and then you'll have to walk from Jaya 1 to the... Smartphone class. Yes. But there's a pedestrian connectivity. No covered walkway, but you know, we are trying our best. Small improvements, one at a time. Okay. Yep. Thank you, 
everyone for listening to us today and um, we're recording this on a Saturday afternoon and you'll listen to this on Monday so it's it's the closest we've released the podcast and we would like to listen to what other thoughts you might have so share it with us please I know our Twitter is not active yet but that's on me because I'm really bogged down and I haven't been like on Twitter in our podcast Twitter but I'll try more this week and see you soon Bye. thanks everyone bye bye